WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. It's time for my absolutely foolproof annual Steeler prediction. Don't forget in the last six years, I've hit the nail on the head four times. That's in exactly right. The other two times, I came within one game. So I am quite the dreamboat when it comes to prognosticating. In fact, I am quite the dreamboat in general. But this is a very different year because we don't know how the offense is going to function without Le'Veon Bell. The rushing part shouldn't be a huge drop-off. Bell only averaged four yards per carry last year. The mailman could average that. But the receiving is going to drop and the pass protection won't be as good. And without Bell as a threat, it's going to squeeze the versatility of that offense. So there's that transition, however, temporary. And you got to be worried about the defense. I'm optimistic about the Steelers season. A little, but I'm not sold. With Bell, with Bell, I was going to say 10-6. and six. Because the Steelers won five games by three points or less last year, and that's not going to happen again. But I hesitate to drop all the way to nine and seven from 13 and three. Because I can't see that happening with Ben at quarterback. So even though I was going to say 10 and six with Bell, I'm still going to say 10 and six without Bell, but closer to nine and seven than to 11 and five. So there you go. My official Stiller prediction is 10 and 6. Don't go 10 and 6 and you gotta believe me. But if Ben gets hurt, that'll just be a lie, yeah. Barry's Wear Boots brought you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. I got a few mini predictions as well. Juju is going to improve only marginally, if at all. He will be great at dancing and being lit, AF. AB and Ben will start slow, but will both wind up having Pro Bowl caliber years. Bostic will be mostly off the field by week three. T.J. Watt will be dominant. Bud Dupree will not. Terrell Edmonds will make big plays and give up big plays. That's what happens with rookies. Hopefully he'll be a plus player. Artie Burns will be feast or famine from game to game. And B.J. Finney will usurp Ramon Foster's job by midseason. So there you have it, my official Steeler prediction. If you'd like to counter any of that or give your own prediction, honestly, I don't think it would be all that interesting, but you can still call 412-333-9939. Uh, the NFL starting is big news. A lot of hype for the Atlanta-Philadelphia game last night, a lot of hype for the opening weekend. Forget about the anthem controversy. Forget about the Kaepernick ad. 
with Nike. Forget about what Trump said. Forget about last year's minuscule decline in TV ratings. Forget about less kids playing the sport. America still revolves around the National Football League. It just still does. Between fantasy football and gambling and tailgates and sports bars, and yes, the games, don't forget the games, football is America, and America is football. Let's go to Jim in Washington. Jim, you're on with these super genius. How's it going, Mark? Good. How's it going, man? Good. Hey, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Do you think federal uh, rival in college football, Pitt or Penn State, or Pitt in West Virginia? I don't think it matters because uh, whenever either rivalry gets reestablished, it, it turns out to be temporary, uh, which means eventually it'll fade and disappear. You can't have a part-time rivalry. You have to play a team all the time for it to be a rivalry. Uh, you have to play that team annually. Now let me ask you a question. Yes, Which sir. rivalry do you think most Pitt fans would rather see return? The Penn State well, rivalry or the West Virginia rivalry? I'm not talking about for a game now and again or a short series. Which do you think Pitt fans would like to see established for the long haul? I would probably have to say it would be West Virginia. How old are you? 28. Well, there you go. I said that earlier in the week. I think younger Pitt fans would rather see the rivalry with West Virginia reestablished. Uh, because that's what they remember more fondly. Uh, the Pitt-Penn State rivalry. When's the last... The, the, the original series ended, I want to say, in 2001. That, that's, that's a long time ago. So right. uh, I would rather see Pitt and West Virginia reestablish the rivalry. I think there's a better chance that could happen because the people who are on West Virginia athletics aren't a bunch of self-righteous dinks like they are at Penn State. <laughs> Couldn't agree more with you on that one. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Dave in the car. Dave, you're on with Double M. What's up? What up? Hey, uh, I'm not too uh, understanding of this whole franchise thing, but uh, do you think or could and should the Steelers go get another running back for uh, injury and fatigue purposes? What, what do you mean? They got three. Well, just have another one just in case. No. Anything Please. else? That's all. Thanks. Whenever I put it to yes or no, that makes it a, a simple conversation. I don't understand people that want to finagle with Bell being on the franchise tag, whether to rescind it or trade him or, or, or whatever the frig. Like that idiot who called yesterday and said, rescind Bell's franchise tag and go sign Navarro Bowman. Yeah, he could come in and dominate on his one good leg. Uh, look, it's going to play out exactly like it looks as if it's going to play out. They're going to wait till Bell shows up. When he shows up, He'll go in the lineup. If Connor's ripping it apart, they might make Bell the second-string guy just to teach him a lesson, unquote. I think that'd be foolish. I think the minute Bell gets there, he needs to be first-string. But uh, there's not going to be anything of any exotic nature that happens. He's going to show up sooner or later. He's going to play sooner or later. Then he's going to leave at season's end. And that's exactly how it will play out. There's not going to be a detour. That That's the one path that can travel. Then again, I thought he would be here Monday. Let's go to Kevin in Westview. Kevin, you're on with the Super Genius. Kevin, you're on the air. 
Kevin probably getting fired up for the big North Hills high school football game tonight. Uh, I think they play Kiski area at North Hills, I think. I should go. It'll be short notice because I'm not going to Vegas. Then again, I do feel a lot better. You know what's weird? After I canceled my trip and canceled the hotel and the and the uh, the, the rental car and the flight, it's like there's, I don't know, that's what makes me think this is all stress-related maybe because I, I do feel better after I canceled going, even though I'd still really love to go. Let's go to Jared in Wheeling. Jared, you're on with Double M. How you doing, Mark? Good, Jared. Um, I got a question about Lev Bell. With him holding out like this, do you think it reduces his price value next year come the end of the season when some team wants to t- wants No, no. To- tell me exactly why you think that would decrease his value. Um, I, I would think as though if he's holding out with the Steelers, uh, if I'm a general manager, would I want to look at that and be like, okay, could this be a potential problem that I foresee? No, no, because once team? you sign into a contract, he can't hold out. Okay. I, I mean, seriously, why would you think that that would be a problem moving forward? The reason he's not with the Steelers is because he doesn't have a contract. Okay, right. he, he wants to get this big money long-term deal, which he will get. He's not going to walk out on the deal he's been angling to get for over two years now. Why would you think that? I just was wondering if it would reduce his value. If it's no, no, what, what, you're, what, you, what you're trying to do is you're so mad at Lev for not showing up that you're trying to think of some fictional BS story to devalue him. When, of course, him sitting out actually increases his value because he won't be as beat up. Thank you for the call. Uh, Let's go to Danny in the car. Danny, you're on with Double M. What up, man? What up? Hey, here's a question for you. So when Lev Bell does come back, Mark... Why are we talking about nothing but Lev Bell? Because that's all that's on the air right now. No, that's nonsense. they got a game against the Browns. There's the Garrett versus Villanueva matchup. Who's going to win that? How are they going to contain Jarvis Landry? Are the Browns really a new team or the same old Browns? I mean, I know when it's time to talk about Lev Bell, and all week was that time. But now, why not let's get ready for the game? But go ahead, ask your question. Yeah, I, I got it. Okay, that's, I get it. So here's the question. So when he comes back, I would imagine the fan reception when he comes out is going to be pretty bad. But yeah, it won't really be he... good. He'll care about that not even a little bit. No, I know. But how? how... So let's say he comes out and he busts one out and scores a touchdown. Will these Steeler fans turn into his biggest fan again? What do you mean by bust one out? Run a touchdown. Oh, okay. Run a 20 order. Yeah. Okay, that, that, that I didn't, I <laughs> hope. Uh, uh, of course, that's how sports are. But, Agreed. But, God forbid, he plays bad. What if his first carry was a fumble and they picked up and took the other way? And then he celebrated with the other team. By the way, I had a great reference earlier. Tell me on Twitter, where did I get this from? I said, do you think Lev Bell wants the Steelers to win on Sunday? Or do you think the Bell is praying that the Steelers lose so he can be the missing link? At Mark Madden next. We got John and RJ on hold. We got Andrew Gribble from ClevelandBronze.com next hour. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Yeah, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. I'm really intrigued by this bronze game. Not because I think the Steelers are going to lose, because I think there's so many 
stories within the story, so many matchups that are going to have big impact on this game and are going to really set a tone for the Steelers and for certain players on the Steelers moving forward. Case in point, what if Garrett is Villanueva alive? That could easily swing the game in LeBron's favor. It could easily get Ben hurt. This is a game where Alejandro Villanueva really needs to prove not that he belongs. He's already proven that. But prove he can be elite, or at the very least, shut down an elite pass rusher like Miles Garrett. Then you got Jarvis Landry. Very reminiscent of Heinz Ward. One of the best slot receivers in recent history. He's going to be a real catalyst for the Browns. Who covers him? How do you cover him? Does Mike Hilton, the slot corner, take him mano-a-mano? Or are the Steelers going to play much zone? If that happens, Jarvis Landry just runs right at Bostick. It's going to be a tricky game. Not a game the Steelers are going to lose, and perhaps not even a close game by the time it plays out, but a tricky game. What do you think of those matchups? How about some of the other matchups in the game? How do you think James Conner's going to do? One thing the Steelers have to be careful is that if Conner starts out slow, they got to keep going back to him. In Bell's absence, Conner has to be maybe not the guy, but has to handle the bulk of the workload at running back, and they have to force-feed him the ball if that means force-feeding him confidence. So no matter how Bell does early, excuse me, Connor does early, if he struggles, you got to ignore it. And you got to just keep giving him the ball. A lot of interesting subplots. It's early in the season, but a tone's going to be set. What about Ben and AB being rusty? What about Jesse James with Vance McDonald out? It's good to know Grimble's going to be able to play, though. It's good to know James Washington is able to play. The only stealer on the injury list is Vance McDonald, and he is definitely out. A lot of subplots, a lot of stories. Are the Browns, well, they're not for real, but are they a potential Cinderella team? Could they win six or seven games? Or are we all overestimating the hype created by how interesting Hard Knocks was? Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Let's go to John at Highland Park. John, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, Mark. Uh, I got to apologize for the Le'Veon uh, Bell comment, but I've been out of the state for about a week. I haven't been up on all the chatter, but here's my prediction. He's not showing up till week 10, man, and I don't blame him, actually. That's the latest he can show up and still be eligible for free agency next yeah, yeah, year. Yeah, we, we know all that. Actually, he'd be well advised to show up after eight games because the Steelers could put him on the exempt list for two games, not pay him, and then his season would not accrue. But, but I, I don't blame I, him for that. I, I, mean, I do think he's going to sit out the max, yes. Do you think the Steelers would most definitely probably run him 30 times a game and probably wear him out if he did show up now? That's why he's not showing up. Yeah, there we go. And I do also But by the same token, the Browns, yeah. once he's an employee, the Steelers can employ him as they see fit, give him as many touches as they see fit. So... If Bell wanted a lighter workload, he's getting it the only way he could control. Yep, I don't blame the guy. Let's go to RJ and Glenshaw. RJ, 
You're on with these super right, genius. What up, man? What up? I, uh, I got to be honest with you, man. I, I'm a little nervous about this game on Sunday. I think it's one of those – it's shaping up to be one of those early Tomlin letdowns with the locker room, especially our all-pro guard center guard, seemingly rattled about the Le'Veon Bell thing. I think Miles Garrett is going to have a day against Alejandro Villanueva. And I think the Browns are much improved. And to your point with uh, Bell – or uh, I'm sorry. Uh, RJ, let me interrupt for one second. What makes you think the Browns are much improved? They've added a lot of talent, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball. I think Tyrod Taylor, uh, albeit not great, is an upgrade from what they've had at quarterback. Uh, the wide receiving core has improved from what it was a year ago. And it just, it just to me, is starting to have that feeling of a game that could sneak up and be one of those t- classic early season Tomlin giveaways. Yeah, but it's never happened against the Browns, has it? It didn't happen last year. They tried their best to no, give it away, but the Browns kept giving it back, and the Steelers won by three points. Absolutely. I do think the Steelers win, but it's going to be one of those games that I think is going to make everybody nervous and really be begging for Bell, unfortunately. Let's hope. Well, no, I don't think they'll be begging for Bell as long as the Steelers win and as long as Connor even looks decent. Okay, here's another great breaking news story. Uh, Jesse Washington's a guy who wrote a story, a, a long piece on on uh, Antonio Brown for a website called, I think, Undisputed. Excuse me, Undefeated. That's the... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's ESPN.com's black sports website. So Jesse Washington wrote a story about Antonio Brown in which he didn't get much cooperation from Antonio Brown, but uh, sought out a lot of Bell's friends and relatives, uh, got some personal information on him from from people close to Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown just tweeted, wait till I see you, bro. We're going to see what your jaw like. So Antonio Brown is threatening a reporter with violence for having the temerity to do a story on him. Antonio Brown wants to control everything that's put out there about him, and I'm sorry, he just doesn't get to do that. Uh, Like I said, great receiver, low-rent human being. Antonio Brown threatening a reporter, low-rent human being. And i got to be honest, and I hope Antonio Brown hears this, and I want someone to tell him this if he doesn't hear it, I don't think that guy's ever had the balls to punch anyone in his life. I don't think Antonio Brown has had the balls to punch anyone in his life. I'll say it a third time because that's a hat trick. I don't think Antonio Brown has had the balls to ever punch anyone in his life. Let's go to Steve in South Park. Steve, you're on with Double M. Hello, Steve. Double M. Yep. You think maybe he can't pass his drug yeah, test? Yeah, yeah, drug test. Thanks the call. Good call. You really drilled down deep and came up with that. Let's go to Carl in Penn Hills. Carl, you're on with the Super Genius. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear a word they're saying. Yep, good, good call. Good stuff. Let's go to Ed and Duquesne. Ed, you're on with the Super Genius. Hey, Mark. Uh, what happens if James Conner comes in and he plays – over his uh, talent level, rushes for 100 yards a game, and Le'Veon comes back in week 11 or whatever, do we pull James Conner, or do we ride the horse that got us there? Well, well first off, uh, Le'Veon Bell wouldn't be bothered at all if he came and didn't play. I don't think that would bother him at all. The, the idea is to play as little as possible, as evidenced by his absence from the Steelers right now. 
Uh, I think that Bell needs to go in there as the number one back as soon as he gets rejoins the Steelers, uh, no matter how well Connor's done. But I, I don't know how Mike Tomlin would think about that. If, if uh, oh my God, oh my God, uh, thank you for the call. This is terrible news. I mean, from Pittsburgh, rapper Mac Miller has died at 26. Wow, Mac Miller dead at 26. What a talented kid, dead at 26. Uh, I assume we don't have any information beyond that, but uh, breaking news on TMZ, rapper Mac Miller has died at 26. Uh, That's just terrible. That's going to be front, oh wait, apparent overdose. That's just terrible. That's going to be front page news on the Post-Gazette and Trib tomorrow. Uh, Terrible, terrible news. Sorry to have to say it. Mac Miller dead at 26. Uh, oh, wait, another update. Mac was found Friday at around noon at his San Fernando Valley home and was pronounced dead at the scene. Wow, condolences to his friends and family here in Pittsburgh. We got Matt and Level Green on hold. We'll get them in just a moment. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 X. X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Let's face it, you've always been in love with me, and this is just your moment of clarity. I don't think so. Oh, I know so. The X at 105.9. Wow, the Mac Miller news has really thrown me for a loop. If you're just tuning in, Mac Miller found dead at his home in California today. The Pittsburgh rapper was 26. Uh, the news with Antonio Brown, what a child Antonio Brown is. And don't blame me for this one. I was just talking about the matchups in the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. In particular, I think, is the notion, uh, it's interesting that if James Conner starts off bad against Cleveland, just stick with him. He's your guy now. You'd stick with Bell, so stick with Conner. Until Bell shows up, Conner has to be in that kind of role, and his teammates have to see him in that kind of role. There appears to be a lot of confidence in Connor among the Steelers players, and, and given that, a bad start Sunday by Connor shouldn't be allowed to diminish that by pulling him out the lineup. So, trust James Connor. One thing I know about that guy, he'll definitely do his best. It just remains to be seen if, at the NFL level, his best is good enough. But getting back to Antonio Brown. Uh, Just to uh, recap, somebody wrote a story on one of the ESPN.com affiliates about Antonio Brown and got into his childhood, got into his private life, talked to his friends, really drilled down deep for info on Antonio Brown, who really didn't cooperate with the story. So now Antonio Brown tweeted a physical threat toward the author of the story. When people argue with me, when I say the Steelers are the most unlikable version of the team ever, how can you possibly disagree with that? How could you dare disagree with that? And I wonder what Mike Tomlin and Art Rooney have to say about this. One of their players physically threatening a reporter on Twitter two days before the opening game. Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in Steelers history and the best wide receiver in football right now. But what a scared, pathetic, insecure little man he is. A scared, pathetic, insecure little man 
who, I reiterate, has never had the balls to throw a punch in his life, is how I would bet. Let's go to uh, Matt in Level Green. Matt, you're on with Double M. How you doing, Mark? Good. Uh, I was I was curious to know um, if Le'Veon Bell is concerned with his uh, keeping his body preserved. Once he plays out the six games and say they're in the playoffs, can he sit? Uh, Le'Veon Bell is only obligated to play six games for the Steelers. He can play any six games. He could play one, four, seven, eleven. 13 and 15, and then he could just go home if he wants. He'd get paid for those six games only, but he will have fulfilled his obligation. He could indeed skip out on the playoffs. Wow. That's something, huh? That would really that would really be a kick in the teeth, wouldn't it? That would, yeah, that would make him mad. He's yeah, well, thank you for the call. Okay, I just totally lied to that guy because he was so stupid about not knowing that once Bell signs the franchise tag, he's an employee of the team and must play as much as called upon for the remainder of that season, including playoffs. So hopefully that guy was not listening to the show and just derived all his information from what I said to him on the phone and will go around spreading that drivel to his friends, who I'm sure are equally as stupid as he is. Let's go to Kevin in McKeesport. Kevin, you're on with Double M. Hello. You ca- I called in like two months ago. Oh, I remember. I that was great. Yeah, I told you Le'Veon Bell. I told you. That what did you tell me? What did you, you tell me? me an idiot. What did you tell me? What did you tell me? I told you that What did you tell me? 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 Hello? I can't hear you. What? Hello? Like, I remember some piss ant that calls from two months ago. I'm not even sure what the guy who called... Well, the last call I remember because that guy was really dumb. Let's go to Richard Shaler. Rich, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Everybody's talking at me. I don't hear words they're saying. Rich is from Shaler High School where they never win a football game. Rich is from Shaler High School where 3-8 and eight gets you in their athletic Hall of Fame. Four one two, three three three, ninety nine thirty nine. We talked earlier about the uh, James Farrier tweet, and to repeat that, he says locker room rules: one, never speak about another man's contract; two, never speak about another man's contract; three, never speak about another man's contract. Wish the man good luck and hope he gets back soon. That's it, and that's been the reaction of most players and ex-players. Uh, Inzer Nation might like what Foster DeCastro and Ponzi said uh, on Wednesday because it reflects what the fans think. But it's not what players are supposed to do or say. And it did the situation no good whatsoever. It did the Steelers no good whatsoever. Most of the local media loved it because they carry the water for the Steelers. I love when media people say, and I heard this on the B team two or three times today, Foster's mad because now Bell has taken money out of his pocket, unquote. That is such fake news. Foster makes what he makes, and Bell's got nothing to do with it. Foster doesn't have a Lev Bell bonus clause in his contract. We win the Super Bowl, and everybody eats. Hey, Ramon, eat this. If a player wins the Super Bowl, 
The most he can make is just shy of a quarter mil in playoff bonuses. For most players, that's small potatoes. So there's a lot to bitch about when it comes to Lev Bell. But to say he's taking money out of his teammates' pockets just isn't true. It is fake news. The obits are all over the place on Twitter for Mac Miller, who was found dead this morning at his home in California. The Pittsburgh rapper was 26. Uh, Wiz Khalifa and uh, my buddy DJ Bonix uh, voicing their upset and... Uh, it's just it's just awful news okay here's something from uh from uh black sports online about about antonio brown threatening the guy who wrote the story about him at the undefeated website the writer's name is jesse washington uh, according to black sports online's twitter uh, the story speaks a lot of how brown handles himself off the field and his use of Instagram. It isn't a hit piece. It is just a story. But Brian had a big issue with him doing his job and researching the piece. Washington talked to some disgruntled people in Brian's life, including his trainer and baby mama. He also speaks on some of the beef Brian has had with reporters. Uh, Brian jumped in Washington's DMs to try to get him to kill the story, but Washington posted the DMs. Yikes. Uh, once the story was posted, Brown threatens to punch Washington in the jaw when he sees him. No balls, Antonio. You catch a lot of balls, but you got no balls. You know who you're like? You're like Santonio Holmes. No, no, Emmanuel Sanders and Lamar Woodley. They talked a lot of yang on me, those two. But the only time they showed up at my studio was when they knew I wouldn't be here. You catch a lot of balls, but you got no balls. Let's go to Steve in Harmony. Steve, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Hello, Steve. Hey, my question is: the Steelers have do they not have two weeks? Say Le'Veon Bell doesn't come back till week ten. Do the Steelers have two weeks to put him on the roster? And then therefore, they, they can. I don't know how many times I have to tell the same story. They could put him on the exempt list and not pay him, and then if he if he wasn't on the roster for six games. He would not accrue the season. He would not wipe out the year. Okay. I wasn't sure on that's what I was calling to talk about. Yeah, that, you could have Googled that, but instead call the show and waste everybody's time. Everybody's talking. Damn it. 412-333-9939, the number to call. Let's go to Greg and Crafton. Greg, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. Hi, Greg. Hi. I wanted to find out if you had any contract. Uh, disputes or any negotiation problems with the TV stations or newspapers or any of the Little League wiffle ball teams you played on? Uh, no, I have never had a contract dispute because I am irreplaceable in my field. And even when I got fired from 1250 back in 2008, they had to pay me to not work for eight months. And had I chosen, would have had to pay me to not work for two more years because my contract was iron-clad. Up next, going to talk to Bob McLaughlin. Then at uh, 5.15, we've got Andrew Gribble. He's the senior writer for ClevelandBrowns.com. I'm surprised more of you, because this is a 
really pessimistic town, even on a good day. Well, no, I take that back. Either overly optimistic or overly pessimistic. Very few of you have ever managed to navigate the middle ground. I'm surprised more people don't see this bronze game as a trap game. I don't think the Browns are going to win. I bet this game has a lot of anxious moments. I bet Miles Garrett provides Alejandro Villanueva, and then shortly thereafter, Ben Roethlisberger. I bet he creates some anxious moments. I bet Jarvis Landry creates some anxious moments. The Browns don't have very many good players, but they have more than they used to. And the good players they have, like, like Jarvis Landry is the best slot receiver maybe ever. Miles Garrett if he can stay healthy, might be the best pass rusher in the league this year. Tyrod Taylor is very average. But there's something about him because he got Buffalo to the playoffs last year. This should be an easy game. Would have been an easy game with Le'Veon Bell. For some reason, I don't think it's going to wind up being an easy game. I just don't. 105.9 The X. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. So, uh, what's happening? He's a little guy. Huh? What? I'd love to get the ball to say what you want to say. Very good point. The X at 105.9. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Uh, Bob, what's your take on this Antonio Brown story? Basically, in a nutshell, it says that he tries to control his message through Instagram, but if you talk to his people, he's not the guy he pretends to be. Uh... You're not reading anything that hasn't been said either on this show or on different shows around the city or from different reporters, people who know the team well. Um, that's unfortunately that side of AB, as tremendous as he is on the field, and he is absolutely tremendous. Um, <laughs> there are just some flaws in that personality, I guess. Let's put it that way. By the way, you know what was revealed in this story? Was Remember when Ed Bouchette talked about Brian limping off the field? Yep. No, I knew this story. But I was asked not to make it public, so I didn't. But now it's in this story uh, by Jesse Washington about Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown approached Ed Bouchette of the Post-Gazette, who is white, and called him a racist after he published that he'd limped off the field. You a racist, you a racist. And then later tweeted, bro, seriously, have some respect. You making stuff up, clown. Apparently, Brian and Bouchette spoke after that and cleared the air, but uh, Antonio Brown's a bad guy. He's a narcissist, and he's a bad guy. He's a great receiver, but a bad guy. Yeah, that was a jumping-off point for me. Uh, a lot of people in this city who know Ed Bouchette and know the job he does for the Steelers, the guy is in the Hall of Fame, not just for the Steelers, but for his work with the NFL. Uh, you can't just pop off and call him that. That is an absolutely out-of-line statement, accusation. Um, I... I there were people around that, people who confirmed that story back, you know, when it was happening, when some media people were asked not to say that, because obviously that was personal between those two, and they did hash it out. But for other people to hear that, including some well, people... Well, we're, we're told they hashed it out. Uh, uh, good point. Good point. Now, well, you uh, can't go threatening people on social media, especially with, you know, the spotlight that he has that he clamors for and then complains about. That's another part of the equation here. Well, Antonio Brown's one of those guys. He talks about God all the time, but God would be ashamed of him. Yeah, big part of the story, how he uses that a lot. But then, you know, you get into situations like this where there's really no proof of that.
Well, let's get back to talking about the Cleveland game, yeah. Bob. Do you see this as a game that can get away from the Steelers, or do you think it's well in hand? I don't think it's well in hand. I think that, uh, you know, three, four points is pretty, you know, that's right where the number should be. Cleveland is better than they were last year. Um, the Steelers do play down to a lot of inferior opponents. We have seen that in the Mike Tomlin area. era. It is just, it's almost a trait of his in playing down to competition. He had two close games against the Browns last year, Mark. They've got a better offense. The thing that they need to do here, I know you've talked about Miles Garrett, you know, and Alejandro Villanueva being a monster matchup, but the one thing they have to do in this game is tackle. They have to tackle. You've talked about Landry in the slot. As soon as he gets the ball, he has to be brought down. You can't be let to run around in the open area. You know, Carlos Hyde, his carries mark, I think 3-9-4-0 on average last year. That's right around the numbers of another running back that the Steeler fans are, you know, they're, you know, familiar with. Right around 4-0, so he's no slouch. He can catch the ball out of the backfield also. They have to tackle. Oh, Judge, don't be too hard on yourself. You're a heck of a slouch. <laughs> Tremendous slouch. Uh, uh, what, what about uh, James Conner? I'm of the opinion that, that if, he, if he stumbles early, they've got to keep giving him the ball. They've got to give him the ball and along with it confidence and stoke the team's confidence in him because it looks like he's going to be the number one back for a while. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. you got to give him a long, long leash in that game. Uh, there's a lot riding on it. I think he is absolutely stoked for it. I know Steeler fans are stoked for it. A lot of NFL national people kind of putting their trust in James Conner to really show him something again, uh, against the Browns on Sunday. And I'm in that boat. I think that he's going to have a good game. Um, I, I think he'll prove that he can be the guy until Lev Bell gets back. I expect Conner will rush for about the same yards per carry Bell did. I mean, how hard is the top 4.0? But I don't think he'll pass block as well or receive as well. And furthermore, I don't think they'll count on him nearly as much in a receiving role. I mean, why would they? Yeah, you, that's not his makeup right now. You want to establish him at the run game. The one thing I will do, uh, I will say, Mark, you know, you talked about the longs, the longest runs that uh, Lev Bell had last year. I could see James Conner breaking off longer than a 25 or a 30-yard run. Sometimes when he gets one of those first two tackles to bounce off and he gets into open area, he's deceptibly fast. So it's going to take some strength to bring him down. He's got some wheels. He gets into the open area. He could go for quite a ways. Uh, what about the matchup between Garrett and Villanueva? Because that could decide the game and. You don't want to see damage get inflicted on Ben in the first game. Yeah, um, we've talked about it for the last couple of days. You know, I really liked what Wolf said about it in the um, earlier segment in the three o'clock hour. Um, he said that you give Al, you see what Al can do. If you he can't do it, and you know Garrett's getting around him or inside of him, you give him a little help. If you still don't do that, you you put a tight end over there, or you bring James Conner over, and you just make sure that that hole is sewn up. Uh, because you're right. That could oh, that's do easier said than done. Like like Wolf said, Bob, don't forget, they line up the guys in the box way wide. And there's a lot of gaps, but but they come from everywhere. Right. Well, he's the edge guy, too. I mean, that is his specialty. Well, well right. But he lines up so wide, Bob, it would be tough to have, like, say, Foster help Villanueva with a double team. Good point. Um, he also said that Al does pretty well at getting people wide, too. If he can just use that one simple push to get him way wide, maybe the ball's out or handed off by them, and the play's already downfield before Garrett can even get in the zip code. Oh, believe me, Bob, I'm not you know conning Villanueva out here. Oh, right, I right. just think this is a monumental challenge, and another monumental challenge will be Jarvis Landry. 
I don't know if Pittsburgh quite realizes how great Jarvis Landry is. Especially, you know, with a secondary mark that they're still kind of putting the finishing touches on. Um, you've got people moving positions. You've got all th- three different, you know, I guess, views of that with the nickel, the dime, and then the dollar. We haven't really seen the dollar all that much, so we're not really sure how it's going to work. But again, even if he gets into some open area, he brings the ball in, you have to put him on the ground right away. And that's been a bugaboo for the Steelers' defense the last couple of years. They just have not wrapped up and tackled, especially in the secondary where some of these guys, Burns, Davis, maybe it was a bad habit that they picked up off of Mike Mitchell and that big hit mentality. They come in with the shoulder down and try and knock somebody over. Jarvis Landry's going to get around that. He's going to sidestep that, and he's going to go for a while. Well, I just think that it's just, I don't know how you match up against him. Like, Jerry Dulac today, I forgot to touch on this earlier. He 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 wrote that Joe Hayden will match up against Jarvis Landry. I don't see an outside corner matching up against a slot receiver. Yeah. That that would be unusual, and I, I might say clumsy. Again, maybe. It's, I think it's got to be Mike Hilton. Well, maybe it's something that they've practiced that we haven't seen yet. Um, well, that'd be, that'd be, that's a bit, un, put it this way. I've said all year about that dollar defense, the formation with six DBs. Excuse me, seven DBs. Seven, yeah. That's too exotic for the Steelers. They don't do radical. I couldn't see an outside corner covering the slot receiver for the same reason. I don't know. I mean, there's there's been a whole bunch of things that, you know, we talk about the Steeler way. There's been a bunch of things in the last week, last month. Last year, last couple of years, where things just keep kind of changing from the Steeler way to the way thing they're doing things now, and maybe that dollar is part of that metamorphosis. Uh, you know where the Steelers could turn out a bit lucky on Sunday is that I guess Josh Gordon's going to play, mm-hmm. but he's been hindered by injury. And won't start, but that could be the second play he gets in. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's a guy who I've always felt needs to be 100% to be as good as he can or not high. I think that's something for not high at this point. But uh, could you imagine if, if if Gordon's in there and he's, you know, functional, capable, and then you've got this Callaway kid, you know, the, the receiver who dropped to the fourth round but probably has a first-round talent. Real talent. you got the tight end to Joku, first-round pick last year. I mean, that Steelers passing game, I mean, excuse me, that uh, Browns passing game, could give Pittsburgh secondary some fits, and I can't believe that Headley wouldn't load up with those receivers because he knows what that Steelers secondary is all about, or not. Well, let's look at one last thing, though, if we're talking about the Browns passing game. It's going to be 40 to 50 mile an hour winds. Awful rain all throughout the day. It's going to be the rest of uh, Tropical Storm Gordon coming through there, so perhaps that takes away some of the things that they want to do in the air, and they're going to have to go to hide. They're going to have to use these short passes because once you try and get the ball deep, you have no idea how it's going to get held up or change direction. That could ruin the game. It could be Carlos Hyde against uh, James Conner. James Conner, yeah. I don't know who I'd like there. Well, I like our offensive line better. You know, yeah. they're, they're still moving parts around, too. They just named two of the starters today. So, Bob, there are many things that would not bode well for the season that could happen on Sunday. One would be like a 6-3 loss in the mud. Oh. <laughs> well, you heard it earlier, though. Connor's a mudder. Well, as, as um, Mike Ehrmantraut said very memorably on uh, Breaking Bat, you know, I can think of any number of possible ways this thing might turn out. 
And not a single one of them involves Miller time. Right. You said that too fast and an octave up for Mike Ehrmantraut to say it. Yeah, but it's only a three-hour show. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's Bob McLaughlin. In just 30 seconds, we're going to talk about the Browns because I think they're still the Browns. 105.9 The X.